0: Hello, and welcome to the Minimalist Moms Podcast. I'm Diane, and I'm a mother of three living in Columbus, Ohio. I'm trying to make room in my life for what matters by getting rid of the clutter and living life with purpose. I hope you'll join me on the journey to think more and do with less. Today is the fourth in a series called Minimalist Living. You'll hear from minimalist living on boats, New York City, converted van living, and on today's episode... World travel with the woman behind The Irish Mummy, Rosie Kopp, and special guest, her husband, Adam. I told Rosie and Adam during the episode that I was pleasantly surprised where the conversation took us. Rosie took some time to discuss how she worked through decluttering sentimental items while grieving the loss of her mother, and I just appreciated her insight in this area and really hope that it helps anyone listening that may be going through the same process. And as with each of these minimalist living episodes, I really love to hear how minimalism has influenced life in these areas, and just my hope is that it encourages you in your own minimalist pursuits or maybe even prompts you to change up your lifestyle. You never know. This was actually supposed to be the last episode in this series. However, I decided to throw in one more on Friday all about minimalist living on a farm. So stay tuned for that episode. And next week, we'll be tackling the area of kids clothing with Rochelle Crawford. Another thing happening next Tuesday is actually the launch of my new book, Minimalist Moms Living and Parenting with Simplicity. I'm looking forward to hearing everyone's feedback as you all start to receive copies of your book, so keep me posted. And as always, before we get to the conversation, I wanted to encourage you to leave a rating and review if you haven't done so yet, because truthfully, leaving a rating and review on iTunes is the best way you can help this podcast succeed and grow. All right, here is the fourth episode in the series Minimalist Living with Rosie. Adam, Rosie, thank you so much for joining me on the Minimalist Moms podcast.
1: Thank you so much for having us. We are so excited to be joining you today.
0: I'm excited to have you here too. I wasn't sure, I was like, should I call you the Irish mummy? Should I, how do I introduce this whole
1: <laughs>
2: It'd be a bit awkward for me.
1: (laughs) (laughs) My sidekick. (laughs) I'm just
2: here to, I'm just here just to, uh, it was funny because when we were sort of coming up with the idea for Why I would be on the show, it's just to help Rosie stay on track a little bit sometimes.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Well, no, I'm glad to have your input, too, just to have a male's perspective, because this is such a female-driven show. I just think it's nice to have both voices, so I'm excited to talk to you. But Mm -hmm. let me have you both introduce yourself to my listeners who may not have heard about you before. Maybe how you got into minimalism, and then how many kids you have, and we'll go from there.
1: Okay, so we have four children. We have an eight-year-old boy, a four-year-old girl, a two-year-old boy, and we have a seven-month-old baby boy as well. I suppose how we got into it originally, I've always been somebody who's loved aesthetically beautiful places. And I like things to be in order and I like things to have a place. And I think when you're, I suppose, young and single um, or you're living at home, you don't really think about it too much. But then when you start to have children, I think you start to gather all these things. And for me, I just, I just, I love simplicity. Um, So I think, I think the biggest one that I suppose happened for us was getting rid of things was me originally was, I suppose I traveled a lot and anytime I would travel and come home, I would get really good at getting rid of things before I traveled but I actually met Adam in Australia in 2009 and we were married in 2011. And so we were living in Australia. We had a rental house with all the all the belongings that you would have when you live somewhere. And Paddy was about 10 weeks old and my mum had been sick with cancer and it kind of come back for the third time. And she was living in Ireland. And at the time, kind of me and Adam made a decision that it would be best for me to move home to be with her. And we kind of made the decision nearly overnight. So I we booked a one-way ticket for me and Paddy. Paddy was about, he was 10 weeks old at the yeah, time. Yep, 10 weeks old. And we kind of had to decide, okay, well, if I'm moving home to Ireland and you know, maybe you're going to follow me and we don't know how long this process is going to be. I'll just bring you know a suitcase. So Paddy got a suitcase and I got a suitcase. So I packed up my clothes and I suppose toiletries and I packed up as much of Paddy's belongings as I could bring and I brought a buggy and I didn't even bring a car seat. I brought his buggy and That was basically that was it. And
2: um about So it was like a it was it was more of a it was more of a forced process, um, because I think we were quite on. Un- I've always hated too much stuff, um, just the way I think. Um, I get really mentally cluttered and can't think if there's just too much stuff around,
1: mm-hmm. but
2: but I was a fiend for just putting stuff in cupboards <laughs> and pretending like it's not there. This
1: room would look clean, but if you opened a drawer, it'd be filled with clutter, just jammed in there.
2: But I just, I suppose we. I had this. I moved around quite a bit as as a kid, and I had this box of these three boxes of stuff like that. Your parent, and then when you get old enough, your parents give you this stuff that they've collected that was yours when you were a small child. And it's like thanks for this stuff that I feel guilty about throwing out, like trophies and certificates from school and report cards from when you're in like kindergarten and stuff. Um, so I just had these things that followed me around for for a couple of years, but it was a it was a forced process because when rosie moved home um she was basically living in in one room of a parent's house while she took care of her mom um,
1: and, bef- and before i before i moved home i had to um i suppose start considering what i was going to do with some of the things but it wasn't until the so i moved home that was in the january I came back out to Australia in the May. And at that point, Adam was trying to sort everything out so he could move to Ireland with me. And it was at that point that I had to go through all of our belongings. And we ended up, we gave away um,
2: Pretty much most
1: everything. Things. Like nothing, nothing came back. I brought the car seat back. And I think that was the first time I understood what it means to give away everything. You know, like is in they're all of your belongings. Like I'd lived in Australia for five or six years. It was it was everything that was gone from that. And I think from that point onwards, then when we moved back to Ireland, we um we had gotten used to not being attached to things.
0: Absolutely. I think that it's so different for you moving from Australia to Ireland because that is such a significant journey. I think about here in the US and people just making a move from state to state. And you can just fill up a moving truck with all of your possessions and, and move to the next state or even move from Ohio to Florida, which is still a big journey. But you are literally moving, I don't want to say halfway across the world, but you're moving pretty far. Like you're going to need a yes. plane or a boat. <laughs> yeah,
2: 24 hours of flying. Yeah, so it's, a, it's a it's a decent it's a decent trip. And I think you've obviously you're really compressed with what you can bring. So mm-hmm. when you're moving, you've got to really think, well, do I really need that or is it taking yeah. up space for something else that I might really need?
1: And when you're moving back into someone's house, like because I was coming back to my my home house where my mom and dad were, I, I had like a room again. So I wasn't buying anything, you know they, they had everything that we needed to survive day to day. So I guess at that point, I completely got out of the habit of shopping really in any shape or form if it wasn't for food or necessary clothes. That was kind of it.
0: Yeah. And I think that you, you're right, Adam, you're faced with what do I actually need? What are these things am I going to prioritize over one another? Because I can't take it all with me. So I think that is, it is a really cool challenge to have to put yourself through. I know that that was probably like difficult, but it's also so freeing to not be tied down by the weight of your possessions, which actually my next question for you is that when I was talking to you prior to jumping on this call, you have lived all over the world. So I guess you lived in Australia, you lived in Ireland, but where else have you lived and what prompted those moves? And I'll get more into the minimalist aspect of it, but what first prompted moves from Ireland?
2: So um, we decided that we wanted to spend more time. We'd we'd really been sort of on a, what was it, five or six years of really focusing on growing our businesses and stuff like that. And We just had this prompt that we needed to really strengthen our family and spend more time together. So we went to, funnily enough, to the US for seven weeks. We did a road trip from Florida up to basically Canada. And a bit, if you looked at the map we took, people thought that I didn't know how to use a GPS because we sort of went all over the place, Nashville and everything like that. Mm -hmm. Um, So we we had four suitcases for the five of us at that stage. Um, And then we, we decided we'd move to Portugal.
1: And we thought we were going to move in the June. So we planned to come back from America,
2: get yeah, home, or get months.
1: organized, get packed and then move to Portugal. But when we were in America, we because we were preparing for two seasons, because we were going to be in Florida and New York. Mm-hmm. I this was in packed, sort
2: of February, March. So.
1: I had mm-hmm. packed, you know, and vacuum sealed clothes for kind of a winter weather and a, a summer weather. But when we were over there. We thought, you know what, we're surviving great. For six weeks on these suitcases why don't we just look and see can we get someone in portugal now from here and just go straight there and we we ended up there we found this amazing um house online we rang a friend of ours and he managed to view it and it meant that we would have to come straight back from america and fly straight to
2: portugal the, the following same day, day the same, day, the same, same day. day so we were home we came home for three hours slept
1: in our beds and then went to the airport and moved to Portugal with our two suitcases from For,
2: yeah four from the u s a
1: our four wow. suitcases wow so it was
2: it was it was crazy, so we went we we literally moved countries as a family with four, four suitcases, suitcases. Into, a, into a into a new place so it was wow. it was an interesting experience
0: well, it can be done it can be done exactly. So I'm curious, two things. One is when you, again, were confronted with that Australia to Ireland move, I know that you had to ask yourself, what is priority? But were there other things that you asked yourself? And then kind of jumping ahead to something that we talked about, what did your kids think? Because at this point, they were probably still pretty little. So I feel like in certain ways, that makes it easier to kind of not make those decisions for them, but it's probably easier because they don't have as much independence in a say.
1: So when we when we went to Portugal, that was kind of the first time that the kids were old enough to really understand because mm-hmm. I suppose Paddy was so little even Australia. When we were in Portugal, Paddy asked for some of his toys, like toys that he really, really missed. So when Adam came home, he brought back a few things to Portugal, like really only the things he really, really missed. But the hard part was leaving Portugal because...
2: So we just, we moved back from Portugal to Ireland in October, 2020.
1: So oh. Paddy would have been, he would have been about to turn eight and Saoirse had just turned four. So they were old enough to know about belongings and wanting to keep things. Mm-hmm. So um, Saoirse had like all these summer outfits and I just want to do leave her summer clothes behind because I I knew there'd be no need to bring them to Ireland for the winter so I was trying to explain to the kids that we could give our things to other people who don't have as much of us and that you know that that would make their life easier and bring them more
2: joy than what she would get from them
1: yeah and they weren't really the older one wasn't wasn't taking that bait but what happened was I focused on my four-year-old girl and I really painted a picture for her with if she could help me give things to other people it would mean so much to them and that we're so blessed in our life and she really caught on to that story and she started to gather some things and she said you know what mom let's give this and she started to tell me stories about you know who that might go to and then my oldest son saw that he, you know, tried really hard because he likes to keep things for memories. He, you know, he really tried. He went through his wardrobe and he started to give me things. And as soon as I saw them willingly giving me things, <laughs> what I did then was I let them give me what they wanted to give me. <laughs> and then I got Adam to distract them and I I I got rid of a lot more things. Mm-hmm. But I think what happened was Deep down, they knew I was going to get rid of more things and they were okay with it once they didn't see it. Mm-hmm. But to this day now, they will still say...
2: Where's yeah. X such and such?
1: They might ask, but then say, they'll say, I bet mom gave it to somebody who needs it or, or didn't have as much as us. And then they leave it. They don't question it more.
2: But there are some specific questions that we've really been shifting to because we're redesigning and renovating our house with an, with our architect at the moment. So we've, we're having to be really conscious because we're going through another. The only word that I can think of another purge of, of things, mm-hmm. um, and it's funny how it comes in in waves. in waves. We thought we'd clean the house into like out before we went to Portugal, and then we came back. We had some friends from the US staying in in our place over the summer. And we came back, and as soon as we got home, we messaged them and apologized for how much junk we still <laughs> had in our house. Bad.
1: We thought that we, I suppose, when you're getting, when you're, when you do go through, I'm, like I'm encouraging, but I think the hard thing for us was the house that we're living in now, um, that we own is my, my mom and dad's house because my mom, um, my mum, sadly, she passed away when Paddy was one. Mm-hmm. And then my dad wanted to move into the city, into one of his other properties. He didn't want to be here. Mm-hmm. So we were kind of faced at the time by ourselves clearing out the house. There was
2: 40 years of staffing.
1: And, you know, you know, there was things that obviously there were my mum's belongings. So that was a very hard thing. So what I was doing over, I suppose I did it over three or four years, I would go through a phase I get rid of loads of things and then I would be like okay that's the limit I can't do more than that and then I'd go through another layer and it was such a strong process but I thought that I had really done well until we got back from Portugal mm-hmm. and then I thought wow I obviously I still had so much attachment to more things than I realized so when we came back then in October we went through it again and this was a really powerful thing we had um a friend of ours who'd been living here during the summer and they had they had gotten rid of everything they owned in the in the USA before they came here to Ireland so i said to her can you help me get rid of more because i feel like i need help and she said okay let's go through all your belongings and we'll ask these three questions if you could have a picture of it, could you get rid of it? Mm. Um, the second thing was, um, is it replaceable? So could you buy it again if you needed to? And then the third one was, um, I can't remember what the third question was. I think the third one was, you can keep it. <laughs>
0: <laughs> I definitely think that sentimental decluttering can be so difficult, especially when someone has passed. I haven't had to experience that myself yet, but I like, the, I like those questions because you can't keep it all. And I'm wondering as you're talking, I just feel like I'm not to stereotype Americans, but we really like our stuff here. And I'm just wondering a lot of the things that you're saying, like maybe there's more of a detachment to possessions in other countries, or maybe that's just a personality thing.
2: No, 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 not at all. The Portuguese love stuff. Like They have these houses, these beautiful houses. And they have so. I love Portugal. Um, and if any of our Portuguese friends listen to this, I love you. I love Portugal. But they love they love furniture, and they have these beautiful houses, and they have as much furniture as they possibly can in them.
1: And I think in Ireland as well, people would have a lot of things and they would keep them. I think. The so I don't
2: think I don't think it's a, just a, a US okay. thing. I think, it's a, I think it's a human condition. And
1: you know yeah. what I think it is as well, and this will probably make other people feel better if they are holding on to things. I think the hardest thing for me was that you know, I had a house full of things that weren't mine and they 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 were of no use to me as a young mom with young children mm-hmm. and they made motherhood more difficult for me. So I think the process of getting rid of things was actually to help my kids with a better quality of life. Mm-hmm. And I, I think for me as well, you know, I like to spend the minimum amount of time tidying up, doing laundry and cleaning. And if you have too many things... Things get complicated and your time gets wasted, and your children don't get it. And I think when you want to have more children and you start to have more children, you're realizing to have time for more children, I need to let go of more things.
0: Mm -hmm. Having had our third, we moved into this house. We were living in a 900 square foot um, duplex beforehand, and this is about 1,300 square feet. So we have a little bit more space, but Yeah. In order for us to be comfortable here with the five of us, and if we end up having a fourth at some point, you do. I feel like you do need to live with less just so you don't go kind of crazy with all of your possessions Mm -hmm. and all the things cluttering your space and your mind. And I've had episodes on the science of minimalism and what that clutter does to children's and their um, decision fatigue. So Mm -hmm. I definitely agree with what you're saying.
1: It's definitely decision fatigue. I like So one thing that I did was because I found it really exhausting, especially, I suppose, because a lot of the stuff was so sentimental. I got somebody in to help me. And what, one thing that she did that was really good for me was she would go into a room where I'd pulled everything out mm-hmm. and she would gather up all the things that she saw that were personal, like um, photographs or letters or things like that. And she could get through the stuff really quickly because she wasn't attached to it. And then she'd say, okay, everything else in that room, I think could go, but you need to go in and look at it. And then we would go in and we'd say, okay, that's for charity, that's for escape. That's I'm going to give that to somebody, But I found that having somebody who wasn't attached to the item, Mm -hmm. they didn't get decision fatigue, but I did. So, you know, I would look at a room and I would just, I would literally want to cry and go into the fetal position. And I just didn't know how I would get through it. And I had like young children as well, but she would just come in and do that heavy lifting part. Mm -hmm. And then there was less decision fatigue for me then.
0: Yeah. Oh my gosh. I'm so glad that you're saying all of this. I I wanted to do an episode at some point on how to declutter sentimental items of someone that has passed away because again, I can't personally speak to that. And I feel like we're kind of taking... a a direction that I'm I'm liking with this episode. I just hadn't expected to talk about that, but I'm so glad that you're saying this because I think it's so important to remember that the memory is wrapped up in the item and not so much the the item itself. And Mm -hmm. I think other people can help us get more of a clear picture of that when we are feeling so emotionally attached in the moment.
1: And I I think the other thing as well is it comes in layers as well. Like Mm. I... I did, you know, one clear, and then it was like a few months later, I was ready for another clear. So for me, the process—I have to say—you know, my mom passed away in 2013, mm-hmm. and we went to Portugal in 2018 or 19. In
2: 2018 remember. and
1: 2019, and I've really—it's only since we've come back from Portugal now that I've really—I've been willing to let go of everything.
2: Mm -hmm. except
1: pictures and letters. And I kept, I kept an outfit. So one of her outfits, I kept one for my dad and all my siblings. Mm -hmm. And that was the other thing was, you know, I didn't make any of these decisions um, with my siblings. I had to do it by myself. So Mm
2: -hmm.
1: I was, I was always forward thinking, okay, what are things that they would want? And, you know, just being mindful. So I kept bits that would be for them so that they didn't have to do any of the the, I suppose, the hard part, but then they yeah. could still have the memories.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Well, kind of shifting from that, now that you are renovating this new house, what would you say is your philosophy on possessions? Since you've moved, you've gone through the sentimental decluttering, uh, you do have four children. So what would you say your philosophy is
1: now? So when we move out, we will probably give away everything that we have, except our clothes and healthcare care products. And when we move back in, we will purchase things that are are get things created for the space that have mm-hmm. function. And um there will be very there'll be very little coming into the house. But I suppose because because we've we've um gotten rid of so much and we've moved country, we know what's the bare minimum we need to live with. Mm-hmm. And we know what's excess above that, and we don't ever want to get to the excess again. I don't think.
2: And I think a few practical principles is uh, that we always like focus on quality now, rather than just sort of disposable, even clothing and and, and items and things like. So so we focus on quality,
1: saving for something, saving of good for something quality. of quality.
2: Um, and then we made a decision. We had to we had to speak to the kids. A couple of Christmases ago, when we decided to go on the go on the trip around the US and then move to Portugal, we said, "Look, at a point we can we can start collecting stuff, or we can start collecting experiences as a family.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: Um, so, which one do you want to do?" Because we were like, "Well, we can just buy more things, um, but it just doesn't make you happier." So, the philosophy of the really the focus when when we're speaking to our architect, even down to the way the laundry is designed. It's all of and, and the whole house is about flow, reducing double handling, because every every extra interaction with things in your house, it just takes you away from spending time time with the kids and it's and things just become an illusion in the end. Now we still have nice stuff mm-hmm. and we will have more nice stuff, but mm-hmm. if things don't have a purpose and they don't bring you Make bring you some form of joy Mm
1: -hmm.
2: um, or enhance the quality of your life, then they they shouldn't, unless there are things that you need, like consumable products Mm -hmm. and things like that. And
1: even down to like like clothes storage, you know, we had, I ended up making like a walk-in wardrobe and all our clothes go in there. And when we had all the clothes in one room, all the
2: kids, everything,
1: all the kids, all of us, I'm like, okay, what do we actually need? And I, I gave away nearly all of Practically all for clothes, and what I did was I bought a lot of clothes that were similar in color that complemented each other and it two things kind of happened: one is the kids can go dress themselves and they look okay because everything is kind of similar. Yeah. but the other thing is laundry you know we only need to do you know three types of washes, and then the laundry's done whereas when you have a mix and match of too many things, you have like seven different loads because you can't wash this with this, so even down to the because we've we've i suppose minimalized our clothes now we know that we only need you know one good walk-in wardrobe in the whole space and we mm-hmm. can function and it causes us to constantly know what we have as well so i'm all about having everything in one spot stored well so i can constantly so the see kids, what the we kids, have
2: the kids have no storage in their in their bedroom they
1: just yeah. have a bed um,
2: mm-hmm. now there's a playroom and they have different toys and stuff in in different um, boxes. boxes for different categories and stuff like that. And they all end up jumbled up eventually, but they have to go back in. Um, now we, we are not super rigid with the kids or anything like that. It's more, we're probably, we notice
1: what they we're play probably
2: with. about 50% through the process. I don't think you ever fully get there. Um,
1: I think it's paying attention to what they play with a lot or what's good quality and then when you see the excess stuff that you know that really they don't use and it just causes you know, too much clutter and then they can't find the toys they want so I always kind of go through their toys and I'm like okay what are the toys that I know they love and they want to spend time with and then I try and remove the other ones out so I might put it out in the shed or in the attic and if they don't ask for it I never bring it back again and if they do ask for it I can go get it
0: Mhm. No, this is everything you're saying is great. I'm so I think people are going to find a lot of insight and wisdom here. And one of the biggest things I want them to take away from this conversation with you is that it it can be done and to just allow ourselves to detach a little bit more from our possessions and to what really look at what we're valuing. In this life, because we don't have like life is short, and so are we valuing these possessions that we can replace or we can take a picture of and and part ways with, or are we valuing that family time? So I I just love everything you guys are saying.
2: Uh, Thanks. I think one, just one, super quick story is when when we were um, in Australia and Rosie was coming back to take care of of, of a mom with Patty we were in a financial situation because I'd focused on accumulating things um, rather than investing and saving. Mm -hmm. Um, So I was buying nice things and stuff like that. And I would got in a situation where I couldn't leave Australia to move to Ireland because it was right around the the financial crisis and stuff like that. There weren't really many jobs and um, economically it was a really tough time in Ireland. So I had to stay in Australia. As a result of my spending habits and buying things and, for and six months. And for six months, and I I every six weeks I was flying from Australia to Ireland, my shortest trip was about six days to see oh, them wow. and I missed Patty crawling and all this stuff. And I just started looking at things and hating things. Mm-hmm. Because each of every one of those objects in in the house that I'd spent money on. Mm-hmm. Um, and don't worry, I don't need to heal around money and stuff like that anymore, but I just looked at it and I'm like, this is, this stuff stopping me from being with who, who I love. Um, because if I had have had enough of a buffer financially, mm-hmm. I could have just gone and made it work, um, one way or another. Mm-hmm. So I, I think that, that really shifted my perspective. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and my career I was in finance so was, uh, so a lot of it was about, keeping up with the Jones and, and having the things so that you for networking and stuff like that. And it was, it, it just didn't serve me in the end. So I think that was the real beginning for me is just detaching from it. Because I remember one of our friends said, true freedom is being able to just turn the light switches off
1: mm-hmm. and
2: just go wherever you want to be with whoever you want, whenever they need you
1: mm-hmm. and
2: not having to worry about it. And, um, and that's been our pursuit ever since creating a business allows us to do that creating a life that does that creating our work schedule that allows that and then um obviously financially and and with the things the things are the things that hold us back and not having too many obligations and things that if you move to another country you're left with or or have to change you're left with ongoing payments that drag on forever Mm -hmm. um and it's it's a process like it's taken a long time. Like it's gone from near bankruptcy in 2000 and what, eleven, twelve 12 to yeah. 15. And we only really came out of the hole in sort of 2016, 2017. And so it was a, it was a good period of time. And I think a lot of people are just too impatient. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's just taking that time and, and allowing the process to happen.
0: It sounds like it was a tough lesson at the time, but it's really awesome that you can share that with people now just to like allow people insight into to so what happened there. So I appreciate you sharing that last story. I'm glad you told that. Well, where can listeners
1: find you if they want to connect? So we are now on Instagram. So we're the Irish Mummy.
2: And obviously with the Irish Mummy show, there's iTunes and, um, and Spotify and anywhere that people get their podcast action from.
1: Yeah. And a big thing I suppose we're focusing on at the minute is just helping moms create success that complements motherhood. That's that's my kind of big goal for 2021 with everything that we're doing, yeah.
0: No, that's wonderful. Well, my last couple of questions here as we wrap up the interview, what is something that you're simplifying right now, a.k.a. what is your minimalist moment of the week?
1: Getting everything out of this house so that when we go to renovate, everything's already gone.
2: Just a blank canvas. Just a
1: blank canvas that we can... We can create what we want in the new space.
2: And we're co-creating it with the kids and what they want their life to be, what's important to them, what brings them joy so they don't feel like we're stealing their things, that we're doing this together as a family.
0: Oh, I love that. That's wonderful. So does it have painted walls yet or floors, or is it really you're gonna gut it? No,
2: we're we're re, we're totally renovating our okay. existing home. So okay. we're moving out while the builders come gotcha. in and, and, and yeah.
1: everything will be gone out and hopefully will never come back except us (laughs) yeah
0: yeah yeah. no that's wonderful I love that you're incorporating the kids I think that I think that's important and they'll learn so much to take into their futures when they're adults as well so that's wonderful Mm -hmm. my last question what is something that you can't stop talking about
2: (laughs) the house it's it's been a process me and
1: Adam have a rule that during the day we don't talk about um work or business or like other things that the kids don't have an interest in during the day. And we decided to make the house one of those things because it's kind of boring for the kids to constantly hear about it. But we just can't stop talking about it. We're like, where would this go? Where would that go? So at the minute, it's all things renovation. And even if you, even if you go on my um, Instagram feed, you'll start to see that influence coming in now with, you know, who we're getting on as our podcast guests and things like that as well. So we're obsessed with all things renovating and beautiful. So if you want to tag me in anything that's beautiful with renovations, you can. (laughs) Mm -hmm.
0: No, I cannot wait to follow along. I'm excited for both of you. So can't wait to see it. Well, Adam and Rosie, this was wonderful. Like I said, we took, we veered a little bit from the conversation, but it was a great veer and I'm so glad that we took it down that path. So I appreciate you coming on the show.
2: Diane, thank you, thank you, so much. you so
1: much for having us. It's been an absolute pleasure.
2: And this is an amazing show. And it's it's just such a, a great resource for people on this journey. So thank you for what you do.
1: Yeah, thank you, Diane.
0: What did you think of the interview? As I said these last few weeks, you can be a minimalist anywhere because it is a mindset. You can slow down, you can be content with little and value doing and being over buying. How did Rosie and Adam's experience inspire you? I'd love to know. I invite you to keep the conversation going at minimalistmomspodcast.com, and there you can find the links to the Instagram account, Facebook page, and where you can find me all around the web. Thank you for joining up on this journey. I wish you a lovely week as you think more and do with